0: I don't know who's calling. I don't have the name on the caller ID. You, like, stop. Like, I can't take your, I'm on the phone with Zach. Just stop calling. I don't, I, I will take your call after this interview. Sorry if I'm sounding Are you frustrated. Okay, no, I'm not okay. Are you okay?
1: This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills.
0: It's my parents' wedding anniversary today. Happy anniversary, mom and dad. I hope they have something better to do than listen to the show today. They've been married a long time. Very inspiring. And over the course of their marriage, right, there, their roles changed a little bit as kids have moved out of the house. My dad is now retired. My mom works little different hours. And it always inspired me, very much impressed me, that when my mother would come home from work on Fridays, I'd always get a picture from her because my dad, who's retired now, would have waiting for her some chips and salsa maybe a beer maybe a margarita just a nice gesture hey it's friday you're done with work welcome home honey look i i have this waiting for you when you walk in the door so it was nice i was like that's pretty cool dad that's very inspiring i like seeing that now i have never experienced such a thing i not married I don't, I don't come home to anything like that but when i came into the studio today i experienced something similar Because our friend Bob has texted in on the talk and text line. I I wish I would have just made the whole show about this, Bob. I walked in and I was ticked that I didn't think of this. Bob texted about 345. He wanted to be the first one on the talk and text line. And he said, hi, Grant. Do you think that with Jordan Love possibly being out for this next preseason game and with Tebow being released today, that the Packers might sign him? Throw the entire show rundown away. Throw it in the trash. This is what we're talking about For for the next two hours. I can't believe this text was waiting for me when I walked in and I turned on the computer today. Bob, this is brilliant. Yes, the Packers should sign Tim Tebow. They need a camp arm. We need as many camp arms as possible. That's what I was told a couple of months ago when we signed Blake Bortles. Camp arms, camp arms, camp arms. No, they should not sign Tim Tebow. But I appreciate the creativity. And I kind of wish I would have written two hours of a show that revolved around this tape. Tim Tebow and the Packers. A match made in heaven, question mark. It's good. It's got the nice religious angle, too. That's good. Thank you for the text, Bob. It was a nice surprise. Uh, Warmed my heart to walk into the studio and see your text today. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope your week is coming along nicely. Interesting version of the Wisco Sports Show tonight. Normally, I try to mix up the topics a little bit, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. You know, we'll start with this, then we'll get to that. And I couldn't really decide how I wanted to go about things today because we could talk about the Packers and Jordan Love. We could do that for two hours, I suppose, if we wanted. We could talk about the Brewers for two hours. There are 25 games over 500. Like we we've talk about the Brewers for two hours straight. So I was trying to figure out how much time do we want to dedicate to each thing and what do we want to talk about first. Here's what I decided, okay? The 4 o'clock hour from now until 5 o'clock, we're going to do Brewers with a tiny little bit of bucks for like the last five minutes. So call it the Milwaukee hour from 4 to 5. Mostly Brewers, like 99% Brewers. And then the second half of the show, we're going to do Packers. So we're going to do all the Packers in the second half of the show. And if you're listening right now and you're thinking, Grant, I'm driving home now. I'm not going to be listening after 5 o'clock. Well, today's your lucky day because I will post the podcast just after 6 o'clock. So if you're going to hear the Brewers talk and you want to catch up on the Packers talk, well, you can find the podcast and vice versa. If you're not joining us until 5, you can catch the Brewers talk on the podcast. Those people wouldn't be listening yet, so I don't know why I'm addressing those people, but just covering all our bases. David Gasper reviewing the Brew will join us at 4.30. He wrote kind of an aggressive article today. Talking about how the Brewers need to step on the Cardinals' throats. I'm like, All right. So Gasper woke up this morning and chose violence. He's looking to be violent with the Cardinals tonight. We're going to talk with him. 435, yes, about the Cardinals series, but also about the Reds, which is the one team really within striking distance of the Brewers. Some of the details of, of maybe why the Reds have a little bit of a an advantage from now until the end of the season. We'll talk about that. Talk about Eric Lauer and maybe what they're planning to do at first base. The Brewers, that is, as well. Then the second half of the show, we're going to do Packers stuff. You're welcome to get in here, interject your comments, your opinions, as Bob has already done. Bob, thank you for bringing up Tebow before the show even got started at 608-796-2558. Twitter, at Wisco Grant, if you're on Twitter. If you're not, don't sign up. Stay away. It is a huge waste of time, and it will make you a miserable person, as it has done to me. But if you're already on there, you might as well follow me, tweet me, at Wisco Grant. Every morning, before I come into work, I try to get on my laptop, and I try to compile a, a list of things to read throughout the day. Like, hey, I want to find five, six, seven articles to read at some point today. Some related to sports, some about our teams, maybe some some current event stuff, maybe something about music or a movie, just a nice little... I like putting together a little a little, uh, little mo- medley, motley, little, little, a little batch of things to read at some point throughout the day. So I just learn a little bit, maybe t- take a couple of notes on one of our teams, just kind of expand my mind or try to at some point during the day. Some days I'm really busy, so I don't have time. Like just five or six things, you know, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, depending on how long they are, just that much time. That's my goal every day, to set that amount of time aside to read some things. And yesterday... I planned to read two things. I had them saved. I had them bookmarked. Both were articles about the difficulty of the remaining schedules for playoff-bound teams or teams that are trying to advance to the postseason in Major League Baseball. So we're talking about teams that are leading their division or are within striking distance of the lead of their division or teams that are fighting for a wildcard spot, right? What does the schedule look like for these teams? Is it easy? Is it difficult? Is it somewhere in the middle? Strength of schedule. That's what everybody's writing about right now. And yesterday, I set a couple of things aside. I was like, I want to read about this. I really want to wrap my mind around what the the final stretch of the season is going to look like for some of these different contenders. Who's playing who? Who's got tough matchups? Who's has easy ones? And I didn't get to that yesterday because I was busy. But I got to it today. I came in ready today. Cup of coffee in hand. Free time set aside. I'm like, oh, today we're going to do schedule stuff. Before we dig into what I found and what I learned, I want to look at the playoff odds for some of these contending teams, the Brewers included. The Brewers have played 199 games. No, that makes no sense. They've played 100. <laughs> I did that math wrong. I was like, no, that's not right. That's why you don't do mental math on the air. The Brewers are 25 games over 500 at the moment. Their record exactly, pull it up here. I think I've already stumbled over the numbers once. The Brewers record at the moment is 72 and 47. That does absolutely not add up to 199. No. So the Brewers are leading their division, 47 losses, 72 wins. That's where we sit progress-wise throughout the season. Now, if you look at some of these teams that are contending, let's start with the AL, and then we'll go to the NL for the Brewers. We'll finish with the Brewers. Right? This is what it looks like. Win probabilities, playoff probabilities. The White Sox, 99%. They're going to make the playoffs. The Astros, 95%. The Rays, 86 The Red Sox, 83 The Yankees, 56 The Athletics, 44%. And the Blue Jays, 32. And then the Mariners are next at 1.6. So in the American League, and the National League is very similar. We'll get to that in a sec. It's basically half of the teams have all of the the probability to make the playoffs. And then the rest of it is zero. So the Royals, Twins, Rangers, Orioles, Tigers, Cleveland, Angels, Mariners, they're all 1% or less than 1%. National League, much of the same. Dodgers, 99%. Giants, 99%. Brewers, 98%. We love that. Braves, 53%. Padres, 47%, Reds, 42%, Phillies, 39 and then Mets, 12%. The Mets are the one weird team in the league that like like has a, an okay shot, but also doesn't have a shot. Like They're the one team in the middle. It's mostly the haves and the have-nots, because once you get past the Mets, the Cardinals have a 6% chance, and then the rest of the NL is zero. Diamondbacks, Rockies, Nationals, Marlins, Cubs, Pirates, all 0%. It's a league right now of haves and have-nots, which is something we talked about after the trade deadline, I don't think that's a trade deadline issue. I think there's a lot of owners that just don't want to invest in winning. And I think that's illustrated through some of these playoff probabilities. Not every team can make the playoffs, right? That doesn't, it's not a sign that the league is unhealthy, but it's certainly a have and have not league right now. Those are the playoff projections, playoff probabilities. You can also look at playoff probabilities that factor in strength of schedule, right? So if you ignore strength of schedules we're doing right now, the Padres are projected to get that second wild card spot, win about 90 games. As the third team in the NL West that would be in the postseason, right? The Reds would be the first team out, just missing out on that second wildcard spot, and they would shape out to about 85.9 wins. So about a four-win gap between the Padres and the Reds. But if you look at win projections and playoff projections that account for strength of schedule, who are the Padres going to play? Who are the Reds going to play? Well, the Padres go from 90 wins to 88 wins, and the Reds go from 85 wins to 87.5 wins. Basically within a game, that's a lot closer. That's the difference of four games to about a game, depending on which projection you look at. Strength of schedule matters. And if you're thinking right now, Grant, I don't care about the wildcard race between San Diego and Cincinnati. Please talk more about Rowdy Tellez. Okay, well, first of all, we will talk about Rowdy Tellez. Give me a minute. And you should care about pennant races because pennant races are electric. They should be enjoyed by everyone. They made a movie about one called Major League. Dude, that, that movie isn't about the World Series. Movie isn't about the postseason. It's about just trying to get in. Just get in. Just It's a pennant chase. Just get into the postseason. They made an entire movie about it. It's an awesome movie. Pennant races are awesome. So you should care about San Diego and Cincinnati. But second, the Reds are in the Brewers' division. So we got to know what we're dealing with. we got to have an eye on the enemy, right? we got to know the background of what's going into the Brewers' schedule, what's going into the Reds' schedule. The Reds right now, seven and a half back of the Brewers' before games start tonight. The Reds face the worst remaining strength of schedule in all of baseball. Not just the National League, not just the NL Central, but all of baseball. The Reds' remaining schedule averages a winning percentage of .462, way below five hundred. That's the weakest remaining schedule in all of baseball. And as I mentioned earlier, this is probably going to boost their win total by an extra game, extra game and a half. And if it's coming down to the wire between the Reds and the Padres, that extra game, game and a half, that could make a difference. Now, the Reds have this strength of schedule advantage because they have 19 remaining games against Pittsburgh, Chicago, and Washington. A lot of games against really bad teams. Now, by comparison, it's not like the Brewers have a really hard schedule, a murderer's row of a schedule. They have the 12th easiest schedule in baseball at .494. So it's not like there's a sea of difference between the Reds and the Brewers. There's a sea of difference between the Padres and the Reds. The Padres have a bunch of remaining games with the Dodgers and with the Giants. The Brewers is kind of in the middle of the pack. Yeah, they got some against the, the Cardinals, they do have three against the Dodgers at the very end of the year. That could be an interesting series if things get tight. 13 games against the Cardinals. And they're no Pittsburgh. They're no Chicago. But it's not like the Cardinals are rock stars. It's not like they're world beaters, right? The The current playoff percentage for the Cardinals is 6%, 6.2%. It's not like the Cardinals are rock stars. They're only five games over 500. They're 61 and 56, 10 games back of the division lead. So the Cardinals, they're not Pittsburgh. Right now, they're not the Cubs, but it's not like they're you know, the Cincinnati Reds, the big red machine, or any of these great teams. The Cardinals are a little better, but they're not world beaters. The Brewers, you also got to factor in. They have three games against the Twins. It's all factored to be really winnable games. Three against the Cubs, and three against Cleveland, who are out of the division lead. Cleveland's percentage to make the wild card. They haven't switched to the Guardians yet, have they? Cleveland's chance to make the playoffs is 0.1%. They're all but eliminated because the White Sox are so much better than everyone in their division. That kind of paints a picture of what the Brewers have left, what the Reds have left, and and what that remaining schedule means for a team like the Reds, right? How many wins maybe does that steal them against the Padres or against the Brewers? A little bit of an advantage with the weakest remaining schedule in baseball. So here's the million-dollar question, and this is the reason why I bring this up in the first place. This is why I went and found these numbers and, and really tried to set the table and, and lay this all out. Is the easiest remaining strength of schedule enough? for the Reds to be able to make up seven and a half games. That's their deficit behind the Brewers in the NL Central right now. That's the million-dollar question. Because if the Reds can't win those games, take advantage of those games, and if the Brewers don't lose some games, it's not going to matter. We can talk about strength of schedule, but that doesn't amount to wins and losses. That doesn't amount to playoff first. That's just percentages and winning percentages and numbers on a spreadsheet. Right? The games don't win themselves. Maybe against, maybe against the Cubs. <laughs> kind of. I, I do think there is... A difference between the Pirates and the Cubs. The Pirates came into this year knowing that they're going to be bad. Knowing that they're going to be horrendous. They were mentally prepared for that. The players on this Pirates team, I think, have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. Ben Gamble is a perfect example. Ben Gamble had no misconceptions about what this season was going to be. There was no surprise when Pittsburgh all of a sudden started losing. The Pirates came into this season as a bad team. They were expected to be bad. These players know that they're bad, and they seem comfortable playing within that environment. With the Cubs, the Cubs were expected to hopefully be pretty good, and that didn't work out. So now, had a big shakeup with the team, a lot of people leave, a lot of players are traded, and now they're kind of left trying to figure what do we do now, who is playing where, and now Jake Arrieta had had a weird moment in a press conference. Now he's been cut. I would rather play the Cubs because I think the Cubs are completely directionless. The Pirates are bad, but at least they know they're bad. They've had that understanding for months now. I think the Brewers are uniquely designed to stack up wins against teams like the Cubs and the Pirates because their pitching is always going to be there, right? In, in years past, go back to 2011 or even in the last couple of years, the Brewers have been good, but they have fallen victim at times to a bad series against Pittsburgh or a bad series against a really bad team because if their pitching didn't show up and their offense was quiet, okay, Pittsburgh's terrible, but what are the Brewers going to do about it, right? Now when they roll into a series against the Pirates and they can start Freddie Peralta... Adrian Hauser and even Eric Lauer. Okay, well, that dog's always going to hunt, right? It's like a defense. Defense travels in the NFL. Pitching travels. Pitching will work against good teams. It will work against bad teams. It doesn't let you down. So I think the Brewers are a team that's designed to always take advantage of those games against the Pirates and the Cubs. In years past, they haven't been. I don't know about the Reds. I don't know if the Reds are in a position to take advantage of these games. Now, we're talking about pitching, we want to look at Team ERA, right? Which teams are are best at pitching and getting batters out? And I know not one statistic by itself is perfect, but I'm looking at Team ERA. It looks pretty indicative, right? These are the teams leading the league in ERA in order. You ready? Dodgers, Giants, Brewers, White Sox, Astros, Athletics, Padres. That's seven teams I just listed, and they're all excellent and probably going to make the playoffs. Maybe not the athletics, we'll see. But the first five, all World Series contenders, all ERA leaders in Major League Baseball. Then you get to the Yankees. Tampa Bay's right there, they're a contending team. The Mets, now the Marlins. See, this is where you start to question what ERA means, right? Toronto, Atlanta, St. Louis, Boston, Seattle, Philly. And then all the way at 18, Cincinnati. I'm not saying Cincinnati can't beat up on Pittsburgh, can't beat up on Chicago. I'm saying that Cincinnati is not well-equipped As well-equipped as a team like the Brewers or the White Sox or the Giants or the Dodgers. Because Cincinnati can have a bad series. If their offense shuts off, they could get swept by Pittsburgh. They could get swept by Chicago. Their pitching isn't quite as good as some of those upper echelon teams. And you can fall victim to a bad series against one of these bad teams. I don't think the Brewers can. And I think we've seen that play out the way they've just handled Pittsburgh. And then the Cubs, especially after the trade deadline in the last couple of weeks. Let's take a break. I want to talk about the Brewers in the first base position. i got some choices to make. So I did some digging. I did some fact-finding about Rowdy toles Daniel Vogelback. I, I said some things yesterday. I wasn't 100% sure at the time if they were true, and I said them. They were. I fact-checked it. So we'll try to map out a, a, a course, try to map out a game plan for how the Brewers deal with the first base position as Daniel Vogelback is healthy, and they have Rowdy Tellez, and what about Eduardo Escobar, and what about it? We're going to have to deal with that. Let's talk about that, and we'll get to David Gasper coming up at 4.30. More of the Wisco Sports Show after that.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
0: Wisco Sports Show, a couple of tweets at Wisco Grant. You can find me there on Twitter. Lucas Johnson, or at Lucas Henry John 2, tweets in. I- this is on a left field. I did not expect this. He says, my man, in all caps. Is Paul Christ on the hot seat if the Badgers have a subpar season? We hired him to be an offensive guru, and I have not seen it. Have a great day. First of all, you have a great day as well. Thank you for listening, and thank you for the tweet. I, I feel like he has been an offensive guru. Last year, we can't judge anything off last year. Everyone got hurt or got COVID. Now, that doesn't mean there were frustrating moments and frustrating games, yeah, but I feel like we can't draw conclusions about Paul Christ's offensive acumen based on a coronavirus season where no one was in the stands. Also, I, it's the same thing with Greg Gard. Like, who's better? I think Greg Gard fits the Wisconsin basketball. Culture fits us perfectly. I think Paul Christ, much of the same. What are you, you going to get? Bill Parcells come out of retirement, coach Wisconsin? I, I'm not saying you can't do better. Maybe they could, but... I think they're doing pretty darn good. And I think fit in college football is so, so important. I think Paul Christ fits perfectly. And I think he is an offensive guru. I think he's great. They've shown creativity and, and offensive excellence, especially in really big, important games. Bowl games, not Big Ten Championship games, but that's, that's a different discussion for a different time. Big Joe tweets in and says, uh, hey, you know what song Adam Sandler sang in The Wedding Singer that's true about the Packers? Love stinks. Big Joe. Big Joe. It seems like you're really trying to put the the villain shirt on this last week. That's not you. You're not a villain, man. You don't have to do this, right? It's like when LeBron went to the Heat and he's like, oh, "I'm the villain." No, you're not. You make Space Jam, right? And you eat tacos with your family and you tamper to get other good players on your team. Big Joe, this isn't you. Don't don't be a Jordan Love hater. Leave that to some. Leave that to, to Dave and Manona. Let him do the hating. You're a lover. You're not a hater. But I appreciate the tweet at Wisco Grant. My name Grant Bills. The talking text line. Six oh eight seven nine six two five five eight. This is the Brewers hour until five o'clock. We will do Packers from five to six. Do some Jordan Love talk. I wanna talk about the defense, because I feel like we I don't know. We talked about Joe Barry when he got hired, and ever since then, we just haven't touched the defense. I feel like we're kind of neglecting that part of the conversation, and it might be the most important part of the Packers conversation. I have some numbers that would indicate that it is. So we'll get into the Packers from five to six P. M. David Gasper coming up in about ten minutes. we got to figure this out today. We have to resolve this today. Before five o'clock, preferably. I don't like having loose ends, unanswered questions. What are we going to do at first base? What are the Brewers going to do at first base? How do they handle this? Got Rowdy Teles. We like. It's good. Eduardo Escobar. Like Eduardo Escobar. We're going to play a little third, a little here, a little there, but he's an option now and again at first base. Important to remember. Maybe not in huge, important games with Big defensive moments, but they can use him there. Vogelbach's going to be healthy. Oh, i got to deal with that. Jace Peterson is hotter than the sun again. That's another option at first base. What are we going to do here? How are they going to handle this? You can only have so many guys on the roster. Some guys have options. Some guys don't. Uh, What are we going to? I don't know. I'm going to deal with this. So we got to figure this out. A few details worth mentioning. The first detail, this is a logistical one. Kind of a housekeeping item options. Rowdy Telez has an option. Daniel Vogelback does not. And I stated this on yesterday's show, I believe when Binks called in. Binks, you called in and you're asking about first base, what are the Brewers going to do, blah, 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 blah. And I said, I think Binks, that Rowdy Telez has an option and Vogelback doesn't. So if they had to leave one down or bring one up, they'd have to option Telez and keep Vogelback up here. And that was true. I was talking a little loose yesterday. I got lucky that i, I Guessed and I turned out to be right. So, do you send Rowdy Teles down to make room for Vogelbach with the intention of maybe bringing Teles up in the future? I don't know if that makes any sense. Teles has been great, and Vogelback was having some nice at bats before he went down. I, he was seeing the ball really well, but it's not like they're trying to call up Prime Albert Pujols here, Prime Prince Fielder. It's Daniel Vogelbach, who I like, and it sucks that he got hurt and that this unfolded the way that it did, but. Over the course of 162-game regular season, you're going to have to make tough decisions. There's going to be players that one month are rock stars, and then the next month they're going to be off the team because there's no room. See Shaw, Travis, who is now at the Boston Red Sox. Plus, once you get Vogel back up here, if you were to send down Rowdy Telez in crunch time when the games get really important, are you going to keep Vogel back over Jace Peterson, the way he's been hitting the ball, or Tyrone Taylor, the way he's stepped in, especially the way that Lorenzo Cain sometimes maybe has some health issues? Extra bullpen arms, you know the Brewers like having extra out getters on the roster on a day-to-day basis. I don't know where there's room for Vogelback, even if they can maneuver Tellez and get him down and get Vogelback up. I just don't know. I don't know if Vogelback's long for the Brewers, which is a bummer because he was playing really well. And I think he's a good part of this team. He just got hurt at a bad time. Another thing I was thinking about, the Brewers at first base and how they've been notoriously inconsistent. I feel like this has been... A talking porn in Wisconsin Sports Radio for the last decade. You go back to 2011, This is the string of starting first baseman on opening day. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten different ones over the last 10 years. Wow, grant, that makes sense. Ten years, 10 opening day starters. Right, good math. Shut up, okay? I wanted to make sure I had to count them. So we have Matt Gammel, Gonzalez, Overbay, Adam Lind. Chris Carter, who people forget hit 40 bombs. Legendary season. That didn't mean anything. Eric Thames. Ryan Braun. Remember that? Jesus Aguilar. Justin Smoke last year. Remember that? And Keston Hira this year. Of course, he didn't last because that's not how the Brewers do first base. I think I know why. I think I know why this is the case. Because the Brewers are a depth-based organization. They like lots of players to do the job of one expensive player kind of the whole idea of Moneyball, right? It's not verbatim what they did and what what Bean did with the A's, but it's it's kind of along those same lines. We're not going to pay for the superstar of this position, so we'll get two guys, we'll play the matchups, we'll be smart about managing them, and those two will add up and will combine for the production of that one player. That's kind of how they go about it. That's how small market teams have to go about it. They like depth, they like redundancies, but the thing about first base is it's not a depth position. I brought this up yesterday. You think the Reds... Every offseason for the last five or six years are like, oh, we got to get, who, who's backing up Joey Votto at first? got We have to find a backup for Joey Votto at first base. Nah, they're not doing that. Or Atlanta with Freddie Freeman. Oh, this is the year we got to get someone behind Freddie. We got to get, we need depth. We need depth behind Freddie Freeman. No, it's not how the position works. I don't know if the Brewers will ever solidify first base. It's not their thing. It's not their thing. The way they rotate guys through, have depth, have lots of options. First base is not a depth position. Now this year, if Keston Hira wouldn't have sucked, he'd probably still be playing at first base. Probably never would have played for Rowdy Teles. never would have got Daniel Vogel back in there. It would have been Keston Hira's job. So it's not the Brewer's fault that Keston Hira stunk. It's not the Brewer's fault that, well, I guess it is. They traded Hazy Saguilar. Looking back, it was a dumb move. I don't even remember what they got in return. Ray Black or some right-handed reliever that never's going to see the light of day. The Brewers are a depth-based organization. First base, not a depth-based position. I think it's as simple as that. So I don't know. I'm not expecting their first base position to change anytime soon or solidify anytime soon. I think it will probably be Rowdy Tellez from here uh, until death do us part at some point by either winning the World Series or losing in the playoffs or melting down between now and the beginning of the postseason. Like I said, the Brewers have a 96% chance, 98% chance to make the postseason. So it would take a pretty catastrophic meltdown. Could happen, but not likely. Let's take a break. We'll get David Gasper reviewing the brew on the horn. Going to talk about first base, talk about Eric Lauer, and this upcoming series against the Cardinals, and what the schedule looks like for the Brewers down the stretch and for some other foes around the NL Central and the National League. Talking Brewers with Gasper. Wisco Sports Show back after that. This.
1: this is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
0: Wisco Sports Show. My name, Grant Bills. Twitter, at Wisco Grant. Talking text line, 608-796-2558. Send me a text, as Bob Stock did. He wants to talk about Tebow. Yeah, maybe maybe right before 6 o'clock we'll get to Tebow. Mad Mike, appreciate you reaching out as well. We're going to do Packers in the second half of the show. The second half from 5 to 6, that's going to be our Packers hour. We're right in the smack dab middle of our Brewers hour. And who better to join us to talk Brewers? He's been our contributor, our... Bestest of Brewers friends all season long. That's David Gasper reviewing the brew. Gasper, as always, it's absolutely wonderful to have you. I'm happy you're here. And I was bummed we didn't get to talk last week because I was on vacation. Um, This is, it's getting fun. We talked about this when you were texting earlier, but we're talking about remaining strength of schedule and pennant races and wildcard spots. Like now it's getting fun. This is what we look forward to.
2: Yeah, man, it, it's getting to that time of the year and the, you know, the dog days of summer here, middle of August, you know, the pennant race is all kind of starting to heat up and, you know, luckily there's not too much in, in terms of concern uh, with Brewers. Cause I mean, they, they have themselves a pretty comfortable lead of seven and a half games uh, over the Reds and 10 games over the Cardinals. I uh, they started a three game set against tonight. Um, but I mean, they're, they're in the driver's seat. They, they control their own destiny um, and that's a, a position that you know every team tries to get into every single year, and and that's a spot that the Brewers are in right now. So it's it's always a fun time to be in be in that driver's seat.
0: You mentioned the Brewers have the Reds on their heels, the Cardinals to a degree too, a couple of games behind the Reds, but they start a series with the Cardinals tonight. So if the Cardinals, for example, were to sweep the Brewers, they would find themselves back in it really quickly, and that would be really that would be really frustrating. That would tick me off. I read yeah. your piece today reviewing the brew. You, Your message was a message of violence. You're like, the Brewers have to step on the throats of the Cardinals. The Cardinals yeah. right now have a 6.2% chance to make the postseason, so it's slim. I loved the message of aggression and violence, and let's end their season now. I, I really needed that. That got me through today.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's something that— I mean, the Brewers have four series against the Cardinals coming up here. They got this one, and then they got three more in September. So mm-hmm. plenty of opportunities uh, to try to bury them. But really, why why wait around? Why mess around um, with, with trying to, to bury them later? Now, obviously, you're not going to be able to mathematically eliminate them uh, in August here, but I mean, just about a week or so ago, they were at 1% chance mm-hmm. to make the playoffs. They've, they've gone 8-2 and two in their last 10. They're, they've really kind of started to surge. Jack Flaherty's back, and now they got their playoff chances up to 6%. Um, so they were kind of getting some momentum and, and getting things kind of going and getting their hopes and their spirits up and... You know, they think that they're going to be able to have an opportunity to, you know, perhaps at the very least climb into the wild card race, especially while the Padres have been struggling of late. But, you know, if the Brewers can lay the smack down here, especially in St. Louis, lay it down at Bush Stadium, uh, then you can really, you know, knock their playoff chances back down. Uh, it, will, it will really demoralize them because all the ground that they've gained over the past week or two will have just been gone in the span of a few days uh, and then they're right back to where they were, they've lost more time um, and it it can really kind of break some, uh, some spirit there, especially losing to a rival uh, like the Brewers. So, you know, the Brewers really kind of, in my opinion, got to go, you know, full steam ahead, you know, put the uh, pedal to the floor and and step on their throats and, you know, Craig council's got it lined up that way. He's got Mm -hmm. Corbin Burns tonight, Freddie Peralta tomorrow, Brandon Woodruff the day after. So, He's lining up his rotation as best he can to, to take him out.
0: Yeah, and the bullpen is rested with an off day yesterday. And Hater Hater's pitched like all of 10 times since the beginning of July. I mm-hmm. didn't realize that until the other day. hater has been barely needed, or he's had COVID, which is a great spot to be in. We're, we're wanting to get him more work rather than worrying about his workload heading into late August and into September, which is a, a nice, I think, contradiction to where the Brewers have been the last couple of years. David Gasper reviewing the Brew, another NL Central team. You mentioned the Reds. Seven and a half back. They have 19 combined games remaining against the Pirates, the Cubs, and the Nationals. They have the easiest remaining strength of schedule in all of baseball. Not just the NL and the NL Central, but all of baseball. Does that scare you? Right? That's the easiest remaining schedule in all of baseball. That doesn't concern you? You don't seem... I'm looking into your eyes right now. You don't seem phased at all, one bit.
2: No, no. (laughs) I'm not really too concerned about it. Like I said, I mean, the, the Brewers are in the driver's seat right now, but they're seven and a half up. Um, you know, they're really kind of in a comfortable spot and they've been playing really, really good baseball lately. I mean, the offense has been clicking, yellow showing some signs of life, um, and the, the pitching staff has been getting healthier and they've been, uh, still performing to a very high level. So, you know, things are really still kind of clicked on all still. And there's some brewers. Yes. They may have some tough opponents, you know, the Cardinals are always, uh, kind of tough and, you know, the Reds are certainly going to play them tough in the next series that the Brewers are going to have against them next week. Um, but, you know, really, I, I think the Brewers are in a very comfortable spot. I'm not sure if they're going to you know, win the division by seven and a half games by, by the lead that they currently have now or larger. Yeah. Uh, but I'm still pretty comfortable that, that they're going to end up pulling out the, a division title. Uh, they've really been on a, on a roll. And, yeah, the, the Reds have some opportunities to, to gain some ground. But... They need the Brewers to lose a bunch in order to to make up that ground. And, you know, I still don't see the Brewers losing that many games down the stretch.
0: No, according to Fangraphs, the Brewers have a 95% chance to win their division. That's actually better than the Dodgers, the Giants, the Braves, the Phillies, and probably because the NL West is is nuts, right? It's a horror show with three absolutely terrific Mm -hmm. teams. But the Brewers have it right there in front of them, right? It would take a pretty strong collapse for them to lose the division at this point. I am intrigued by the Reds having all these games against the Pirates, the Cubs, and the Nationals. And I was thinking about this yesterday, Gasper, because in previous years, the Brewers would get tripped up in series against a really bad Pirates team or bad Cubs team or or whoever's bad at the time. And I think this year, this Brewers team might be constructed a little bit better to consistently take advantage of those bad matchups. So, like, if the Brewers have a three-game set against the Pirates, they're going to win two or three or they're going to get a sweep because that's the way that they're built, where in past years— the offense shuts off for a couple of games. You know, they're losing two or three or they're getting swept. Do you think this Brewers team in 2021 is kind of uniquely built to win the games that they're supposed to win? Like, is that just about pitching? Is is it that simple?
2: Yeah, I mean, they, they certainly are a, a unique team compared to what they've had in recent years. And I, I think the pitching is definitely part of it. I mean, having three guys uh, that you can go to in Burns, Peralta, and Woodrow that, you know. Every time you give them the ball, you know you have a very strong chance to win. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's something that the Brewers really haven't had in recent years. You know, it was always about the offense. You know, are they going to be able to put up enough to, to outscore the other team? And, you know, the, the pitching was never really kind of there. Uh, and it was, you know, if it did show up, you know, hey, this is great. We got right. some opportunities. But uh, it wasn't something that they could count on day in and day out. And, now they do. Um, they, they have that rotation, and the offense, as we've seen over the past you know few weeks and months, they have really picked it up. I mean, Adamus has, has sparked that. Uh, we've talked about that at length over the past uh, few months since May, since he was acquired. So they've been able to produce enough, and they've been able to uh, be a much different team than we've ever really seen for the Brewers. We've never seen the Brewers rely on pitching. Like this, because they've never had reliable pitching mm-hmm. like this before. So um, it, it's very unique to what we've seen before in Brewers history.
0: Well, they're, they're stable, right? Like, I think that's yeah. a good word. With Like, if they lose a game, I, I think the advantage to having an ace, and the Brewers have three, right? Peralta, Woodruff, and Burns, is all three of those guys can extend a winning streak or stop a losing streak, right? I think that's a, that's a very... Mm-hmm. I think that's a big attribute of an ace, right? If you have a winning streak, that ace will go out there and extend it. Or if you're on a losing streak, that ace will go out there and, and, you know, kill it dead. And if you go out to the Pirates and you lose game one, okay, well, we got Peralta, we got Burns, the train will get back on the tracks. We're not going to start to teeter and lose six of seven to teams we have no business losing to. And I think great pitching and some of those great bats they brought in too, they just, they provide a little extra stability. And I don't know if stable is the word I would use to describe like the 2011 Brewers or some of these different, built Brewers teams we've seen in the last decade. We got to talk about Eric Lauer because I have just been on this Eric Lauer bender all summer and I led the show with him yesterday and I'm trying to figure out, is he best in the the starting role? Is he a reliever? How are they going to use him moving forward? And I can't put him into a category. I can't put him into a bucket like most players. And you wrote a piece on him yesterday talking about how great he's been and it hasn't been against the best competition, but he stepped in when asked and performed really well and, and handled the task at hand. I can't put him into a category, and I've started to realize, I think that's probably why the Brewers like him, is because he's not a de facto starter or lever. They can use him in all of these different roles, and I feel like that's been so obvious the whole time, and I just haven't seen it. Of course, the Brewers love this guy, and that's why.
2: Yeah, and that's why they, they went after him in yeah. the uh, Trent Grisham trade, and they got by, um, you know, bringing that uh, ability to start from the left-handed side. Um, and yeah, you know, he's been, you know, he's had some interesting stretches, you know, had a really good first start there against the Dodgers back at the end of April. Um, then kind of struggled a little bit there against Philadelphia. Um, then had, you know, a couple, you know, back and forth starts and had a really kind of rough stretch at the beginning and middle of June. Uh, but since then, I mean, he's really been lights out of I mean, his 3.44 ERA. You know, it's about, you know, decent. You know, it's it's nothing super spectacular, but, you know, it's it's a solid number. Stable. But, I mean, over his last seven outings, he's got an ERA of 1.53. I mean, mm-hmm. he's been as good, um, if not better, uh, not better, but he's been as good mm-hmm. as, as some of the first top guys uh, in that rotation. I mean, he hasn't gone as deep in the games. He doesn't get the strikeout numbers, but he's been limiting runs uh, in the same kind of uh, at the same kind of level that we've seen from Woodruff and Burns All season long. Um, Yeah, it's not as great of a competition. He's not going seven innings each start. He's only going four or five, but he's been getting it done. They've called on him. He's had to be in there to, you know, give those other guys extra rest, you know, to be the sixth starter Mm -hmm. um, or to kind of work in a tandem with some of the other guys. And he's filled that role extremely well. And it's just helped lengthen this rotation. Even more than it already is, with with its three studs at the top, and the way Lauer and really uh, Anderson and Hauser and the guys at the back of that rotation, they've been pitching pretty well too. I mean, they, they no one's really having a blow up season, yeah. Uh, in that rotation, so Lauer's just he's really turned it on. He he promised Brewers fans back at the beginning of the year, it's like, hey, I want to show everyone, so, like, I was worth acquiring. Like, you know, I am, you know, still a good pitcher. After having a terrible season last year. Yeah. And so far he's done it. Yeah.
0: I think he's stepped up and answered the call. If they need four innings, 75 pitches, he's done a really good job. And I think with three great starting pitchers and a great closer and a great setup guy, right, he's going to have to do different things. And he's Mm -hmm. shown the ability to kind of step up and succeed. Uh, Really quickly before I let you go, 30 seconds. How do you think they handle first base once Vogelback is healthy?
2: Well, Vogelbeck, they just announced, uh, Craig Council just announced a few, a few minutes ago that uh, Vogelbeck has a foot injury um, that ended up happening on his rehab assignment. So that's why they ended his rehab assignment and he's staying on the IL. Um, so it's um, going to take a little bit more time for him. But uh, when Vogelbeck comes back, if he comes back uh, to the active roster, I'm not entirely sure how he's going to fit, especially with the way Telez has been hitting. If Rowdy Telez keeps hitting this way, when Volgoback is ready to come back in a, in you know a week or two weeks or whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, if, if Telez is still hitting like that, I don't see how you can send Telez down in favor of Vogelbach. So um, Vogelbach doesn't have any minor league options, so it he may be out of luck. Um, especially, I mean, we'll see how Eduardo Escobar does with more experience at first base if he can prove to be a capable a platoon partner over and there. Chase Peterson. But at-bats are going to be tough for Vogelbach. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's not. It's bad luck. It's, it's bad luck. But you yeah. think Billy McKinney, great month. Okay, sorry, like, it just didn't work out. Travis Shaw, he had a great month. He got hurt. Okay, well, now he's on the Red Sox. So sometimes that's how baseball works. A lot of games against the Cardinals. We'll watch what the Reds are doing, and we will chat throughout the remainder of the season in this pennant race, Gasper. Nice to connect with you. Sorry we didn't chat last week, but you probably enjoyed having the, the time off like I did. So thanks, man. Talk soon. <laughs>
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, man. David uh, Gasper, care.
0: reviewing the route. Take care of you as well. Appreciate him joining us. Read his piece. He's got an Eric Lauer piece and then a preview for the Cardinals series tonight. You can find that on his Twitter, DGasper24. Let's take a break, get a green and gold update from Mike Clemens, and then on the way back, just a quick update on the Bucks because we had some scheduling notes. Opening night, Christmas Day, and I'll pass that along, and then we'll get into the Packers after 5 o'clock.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, a training camp update. In Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens.
3: The Packers had a light practice after losing to the Texans. The team has to reduce the roster today to 85 players. One of those released is punter Ryan Winslow out of Pittsburgh. Head coach Matt LaFleur.
4: I think a lot of our issues in this past game was on our punt cover unit. Number 1 we had a couple just poor protection where on our wing where we got beat and it definitely affected the locate the punt location where we were Kicking the ball in the middle, the, like almost in the middle of the field, which that always sets you up for failure.
3: Zadarius Smith got on the practice field for the first time in camp from a back injury. Kevin King is also suited up after missing all of camp with a hamstring. There's an old saying: you can't make the club if you're in the hot tub. GM Brian Goodekinst. If you can't be out there, it's hard. You know, you can't. It's hard to get better when you can't practice. It's hard to, you know, become a big part of the offense or defense if you're if you can't be out there. So, um, again, yeah, yeah, I understand not wanting to let anyone lose their job because of injury but at the same time like um you know this is this train will move forward so if you if you can't find a way to get out there it will affect it on defense vernon scott looks like a lock at the backup safety spot scott says the defense loves working with their new defensive coordinator joe berry
2: he teaches the from the littlest fundamentals of getting the ball out to setting players up to get in the right places to make plays so as far as joe berry he brings a a very good component to his uh defense's uh, component that we've been needing for a while getting everybody fired up everybody likes Joe Barry he brings great energy every day to uh, practice so because Barry is a great addition to our defense
1: best Packers coverage
0: Mike Clemens in Green Bay with his ear to the ground our Packers insider along the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network You will join us on Thursday live gonna be a feature on the show through training camp through the season talking to players you know doing the official things while I sit back here and just yell hot takes and complain about the Packers when they lose a little bit of news today Bucks news by the way four weeks ago today the Bucks won game six winning their first NBA title since the 70s (laughs) yeah but also on the front of the Bucks uh the Christmas Day schedule is out Uh, so we have five games god I can't wait already this could Just going to bang. Hawks at Knicks at noon. So Trey Young's return to Madison Square Garden. That's excellent. By the way, the Knicks uh, paid a bunch of money to bring back Taj Gibson for one year. I don't know why. Today they went and said, let's do another year. One's not enough. More money uh, and and more time for a player who, well, I don't know. But Taj Gibson's back for another year. Some news on the Knicks. So Hawks Knicks at noon. Bucks Celtics at 230 because the Celtics. I don't I don't know. That's the one that throws me for a loop. Like, I, I hate when these games come out and we all complain. It's like, oh, it's all the big market teams. Well, yeah, of course, because they're the entertaining teams to watch. I don't get it with Boston because they're not really a big market and they're not really all that sexy or good. I guess they have brand recognition. But, I don't know. Okay, whatever. So the Bucks will, Bucks will house the Celtics by 25 at 2.30 p.m. Then Warriors Suns at 5. That's going to bop. And then Nets-Lakers at 8. That's going to be awesome. And then the game that will be on, but I probably won't watch because I'll be sick and tired of watching TV and eating, will be Mavericks-Jazz, which is perfect. Because if there's one game throughout the entire day, then I'm like, eh, I don't know if I actually want to watch that. It's the Jazz. Don't need more of the Jazz. Never need more Jazz. Like, we never need more of the Celtics. Also, opening night is going to be Bucks hosting the Nets to get the rings, raise the banner. So we have that to look forward to as well. So that's about all. I don't need to go through the entire Buck schedule. It's not out yet, but I thought worth mentioning. So that's our Milwaukee hour of the show. Brewers, and then I call it two minutes on the Bucks Coming up after this next break, we're going to get into the Packers. A lot of heavy lifting today with the Packers. So if you think this is going to be cracking jokes and listening to press conferences, i sorry, but get your head on straight because we have to do some heavy lifting. We need to talk about the defense and Joe Barry, which you heard referenced in that Mike Clemens report a couple of minutes ago. We haven't really talked about the defense. It's been all Aaron Rodgers, then little Jordan Love, and then Randall Cobb's back. Oh, yeah, that defense that always keeps letting the Packers down in the postseason. Yeah, that that basket of roses. We got to talk about that. I also want to talk, I do want to talk about Jordan Love. I went back through the entire last decade, pulled a list of all the quarterbacks that the Packers have enlisted at one time or another to back up Aaron Rodgers or replace him when he's been injured. I don't know. I I don't know. We'll play this or that with Jordan Love and some of these quarterbacks. Would you rather have Jordan Love or Scott Tolzien? These aren't particularly hard questions, but they're kind of fun. And it's fun to go back and look at some of these old names. It's like, oh, I remember when that guy was the next great Packers quarterback through the Mike McCarthy School of Quarterbacks. Yeah, I remember that. That was funny. That was fun. So we'll do that at 530. First, a Wisconsin Sports Zone update from our friend Zach Heilprin, and then Packers defense coming up next, Wisco Sports Show. Sorry if I'm sounding Are you frustrated. Okay, man? No, I'm not okay. Are you okay.
1: This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks, the Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills.
0: I honestly just want it to be 7 o'clock. I want to watch this Brewers game. It has been. 10 days since I've watched a Brewer game and then came on the air to talk about it the next day. I can't wait. I might take six pages of notes during the game tonight. Brewers-Cardinals, it'll be Burns-Woodruff-Peralta the next couple of days. Their bullpen is rested. St. Louis is already 10 games back in the division. Their playoff chances are dwindling around 6.5%. The Brewers could slam the door, step on their throat, crush their will, stick a fork in them. They could. Or they could lose all three and then the Cardinals are alive and well and then we got to deal with that. That whole gem. I hope it's the former and not the latter. So excited for this Brewers series. It's been I went on vacation. I've been watching the Brewers closely talking about it. So I'm really excited to watch tonight and then come together tomorrow to discuss. We're getting down to it. We're getting down to it. These are the games that matter. The time of year that matters and I love it. That being said, let's talk about the Packers. (laughs) This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills, and I hope you're having an excellent day, an excellent night, and your week is coming along just fine. You're navigating your way through the early parts of this work week. If you'd like to join in, this is typically the part of the show where people start calling. I I don't know if it's because people leave work at exactly 5 and they go right for their phones. I don't know what it is, but this is typically the juncture where we start getting a bunch of phone calls. So if you would like to join in, talk Packers. We're about to talk about the defense. We'll get to Jordan Love before too long, too. Happy to have you. Please give me a ring, 608-796-2558, the talking text line. You can tweet me, at Wisco Grant as well. We're going to do some Jordan Love comparisons coming up at 535, a whole uh, this or that type thing. Would you rather have Scott Tolzien or Jordan Love? I'm hoping the answer to all of these comparisons is Jordan Love. Otherwise, we are not in in a great spot. Because if you remember over the last decade, none of these other quarterbacks fared out too well. And I have a long list. We'll remember. And reminisce together. That's coming up at 5:35. First, the phones. Brenda in Madison. Brenda, how are you?
5: Good. Welcome back. Thank
0: you. Thank you. It's good to hear from you.
5: <laughs> yeah, I'll be on a really good vacation.
0: Yeah. It was it was nice. It was um it was nice. It was tough to watch. I missed out on the field of dreams game. And that's something that I it kind of bothered me cuz that looked super cool. But I was able to see some highlights
5: it, and stuff. It was it was super cool. It was it was I was kind of glad I watched I wasn't gonna watch it, and then I was ended up watching it. I'm glad I watched
0: it. So I, I think that was the reaction to a lot of people where everyone was like, Oh, this is so lame. They're playing in corn, this is gonna be corny. Pardon the pun. And then everybody watched like <laughs> ten minutes of it and they're like, Oh, wait, this is awesome. Like, even if they didn't yeah. sit down excited about it, I think everybody kind of got sucked in. And I'm a little bummed I missed out on that last week, but they already have next year scheduled, so there will be more games played in. Corn that I can watch.
5: Well, that's okay, and I know you want to talk Packers, but I'm I'm over the Packers right now since so it's only preseason. Yep. you know they're they are what they are. Mm-hmm. Brewers, so they're kicking butt and taking names, which is awesome. I'm actually glad they let go of Shaw because his shoulder injury makes me really nervous. Because I actually dislocated my shoulder, really? and it's never been right since. Really? Like, no, they, it takes a long time to come back from a dislocated shoulder. Like. I mean, I couldn't do a push-up for, like, a year. Now, granted, I'm not working out. I don't have personal trainers like he does. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, not, nowhere near that. But, I mean, when I dislocated it, they said that it's really easy to pop back out again if you dislocate it. It's really, really, super easy for it to get dislocated again.
0: The injury makes me nervous, but also, like, and I feel bad, but where are they going to play him? I love what Urias is doing. I love Escobar. Jace Peterson's been killing oh, oh, it. Yeah. Rowdy telez has been killing hey, it. Like, huh? I... Where are they going to put him? He could play second. He's done that in the past, but they have Colton Wong. So that's baseball's mm-hmm. tough sometimes. You get hurt at the right time, your back goes cold at the right time, and you're done. You're DFA'd or you're, you're just outright released. That's the way it works sometimes. It's tough. Uh,
5: yeah. Have they talked about what's going to go on with Navarro yet, or um, not Navarro, Um. Oh, the guy who was the other first baseman. Vogelback. Um, Vogel Vogelback. Vogelback. So he's got. Have a, they talked about what they're doing with him he, yet?
0: Yeah. He was ready to come back from his hammy, and now I guess he's got a tweaked foot. So it might be like another stint on the 10-day IL, but then they're going to have to make a decision They either bring him up, they're going to have to make room for him, or keep him down, or DFA him, like, they're going to have to make a decision. I don't, I think the same thing might happen with Vogelback that happened with Shaw, where it's like, hey, we'd love to have you, but we're a really good team, and we don't really have space. Yeah,
5: because, I mean, Telez is just, Rowdy has become like a fan favorite <laughs> now, like, and- I mean, like, it's just being there and people chanting Rowdy and stuff like that, I mean, it's it's just really cool. So, like, Milwaukee is, like, totally embraced Rowdy Telez and it's like, ah, uh, what about Vogelbach? Yeah.
0: <laughs> not a man yeah. that you just send down. If they're chanting his name, it's not a man you just send down to the minors. The tough part is Tellez has options. Vogelbach doesn't. So if they had to send one of them down, it would have to be Telez, and I don't think they're going to do that.
5: I don't think they're going to do that either. Not with how hot Chiles has been lately. I mean, if he cools off in the next two three weeks, maybe. But I don't really see that happening.
0: No, they're probably just buying time right now too. He tweaked his foot, so they're probably trying to get all the information they can. But yeah, I don't know. It might be. And Brenda, before I let you go, I got I got to agree with you. I'm kind of over the Packers now too. There's just some things we got to talk about, so I I don't fault you for bringing up the Brewers for a minute or two. <laughs>
5: That's okay, and enjoy the game. I'm glad to have you
0: back. Yeah, thanks, Brenda. Thanks for the call. Brenda in Madison. I also forgot completely. Oh, my God. Is this an oversight? Is this bad hosting by me? The Packers made a trade today. They traded Josh Jackson for a cornerback from the Giants. I don't have his name in front of me. Let me look it up. Probably mispronounce it anyways. Basically, what they did was the Packers said, Hey, uh, Dave Gettleman, uh, Giants, Brian Gudekinst here. Uh, We have this guy, Josh Jackson. He's a former second-round pick. He ain't working. Okay, so we're going to cut him anyways. Uh, do you just want to trade him for somebody that you're going to cut anyways? And maybe we'll strike gold here. Like, maybe a change of scenery. Maybe that'll help. And the Giants sent back Isaac Yadam Yadom. Y-A-D-O-M. So basically, both teams are going to cut these guys. And they're like, well, before we cut them, let's, just, let's trade real quick. And maybe we'll find something. I don't know. So that happened today. And I told Brenda, like, I'm kind of over the Packers right now. Because I saw this trade, and I'm like, if you would have done this trade last year, you could have maybe been in the Super Bowl. That's what's frustrating for me. I think this this deal is a year too late. Because they went into the postseason last year with Jair Alexander and Kevin King. And Kevin King was hurt in that NFC Championship game. He played very poorly, but he was also hurt. And the Packers didn't have another option behind him. They only had Josh Jackson. Great. Maybe if they would have been a little bit more proactive about improving that backup corner spot they would have been able to stop Scotty Miller or defend Mike Evans in the end zone and maybe the Packers went to the Super Bowl. But a year later, no, now we'll get another quarterback. Great, awesome, wonderful. You learned a lesson by losing in the NFC Championship game. That's great, and now you've adapted. So I look forward to learning another lesson in this year's NFC Championship game and making a trade or a change uh, a year too little, uh, too late. This trade, by the way, this cornerback trade, times out very nicely for me, not for Green Bay at all. Like I just said, it's way too late. But I wanted to talk about the defense for a little bit because we've spent so much time discussing Jordan Love and other parts of this offense, and that's that's fun. That's flashy. I get it. But we're a gritty people on the Wisco Sports Show. We like the trenches, and we like physical play, and we bring our lunch pails to work, whatever that means in 2021. I don't even know, but we do. And for, like, the millionth year in a row now, this team is going to go as far as the defense allows. Yesterday, we are talking about Super Bowl odds. I brought up the Seahawks. And what did I say? You Remember? What will be different about the Seahawks this year? Like, yeah, you could bet the Seahawks to win their division. You could bet them to go to the Super Bowl, but why would you? They're the same team they've been for the last 10 years, and the last 10 years, they haven't been good enough. They've been Russell Wilson scrambling around, holding onto the ball too long, taking sacks, then complaining about his offensive line isn't very good, and then the defense is good some years, bad some years, because defense is wildly inconsistent, and that's been it for the Seahawks. They've been in a tough division. That's been their story, right? So I'll ask the same thing about the Packers in 2021. Before we all go get excited about how they're the second best team in the NFC, which they are, and oh, they have a great shot to win a Super Bowl, which they do, but like, what's going to be different this year? Devin Funches? Stop. Stop. Don't tell me Devin Funches is going to make the difference. Might help here and there, but this team needs the defense not to suck. And I know you're thinking, Grant, they forced three turnovers in the NFC Championship game against Tom Brady. Yeah, and they still give up 31 points. You know how hard it is to do that? Do you know how hard it is? to get three turnovers in one half of football and still let the other team score 31 points in your building? I understand Aaron Jones fumbled on the five-yard line. Yeah, that, that made a difference. Okay, fine, fine. But if not 31, it would have been 27, 26. That's still a lot against an old Tom Brady, not very good Tom Brady, and at home. In Rodgers' playoff losses, opposing teams have averaged 36.6 points. Aaron Rodgers is the only NFL quarterback in history to throw for three touchdowns, Three times in three separate occasions of the postseason and lose all three times. And the the offense always has been perfect. Don't, don't get me wrong. 2014 against the Seahawks, the offense wasn't great. They were playing against really good defense, which I think we need to remember. But Aaron Rodgers and the offense, they haven't always been perfect in the playoffs. That's not what I'm saying. But by and large, their failures have come defensively against the Niners a couple of times. Uh, with Kaepernick and then again with Raheem Mostert. Because of course Raheem Mostert's going to run for 210 yards on Mike Patton, of course. The offense always been perfect, but the numbers for defense, they're really, really, really damning. This is about defense. So I asked the question again, what's going to be different this year compared to the last decade? And I don't know. I wish I could make the case. I wish I could be like a lawyer and stand behind the desk and say this and this and this, but I I can't. Joe Barry, Joe Barry, honest question. Does Joe Barry get you out of bed in the morning? you wake up in the morning, you're like, oh, every bone in my body hurts. I stayed up too late. I don't want to go to work. Oh, but Joe Barry's the defensive coordinator this year, so I'm up. No. nobody, Nobody's, no. i doing that. I'd rather have a crummy cup of cold coffee than think about Joe Barry when I wake up in the morning. He's just another guy. I wanted Jim Leonard so bad. I wanted Jim Leonard so bad. He was just what they needed in so many different ways. <sighs> Joe Barry, yeah, he's got great energy. Cool. And Mike Patton, when Mike Patton came to town, oh, he's going to stand on the sideline instead of being up in the booth. Oh, yeah, he's not 80 like Dom Capers. What an upgrade. I, I don't know. Maybe Joe Barry's great. Maybe the defense is way better, but I don't see it as of right now. Seems like the same script we've been reading this time of year for the last decade. Maybe Joe Barry will be at least more aggressive. I would take that. Matt Lafleur hinted at that. In his press conference after the game on Saturday, situational aggressiveness, situational awareness, et cetera, et cetera. If it's
4: third and seven, and you're playing off at 12 yards, and they're running an out route, and you have outside leverage, man on a guy. You can't be sitting that far off because oh, it was just pitch and catch. What a revelation. I think there were some other things where we got into trouble with some of the corners kind of peeking in the backfield, looking at the quarterback instead of focusing on the wide receiver. That's something that we'll stress and we'll continue to stress the situational awareness.
0: Oh. This isn't hard. This isn't hard. On third and 14, you can't line up 20 yards behind the line of scrimmage. On third and seven, you can't line up 15 yards. Like, get up there and cover him. Be aggressive. I want a defensive coordinator with some stones. Please, God, go try to win a game rather than trying not to lose. The NFL these days and the way that defense is played in the NFL, it's different. You're not trying to force punts, possession after possession after possession. You're not trying to force three and outs. You're not trying to force a team into third down and, and and get a sack of it. No, 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 no. It's different. Every rule favors the offense. In between the 20s, the offense has every advantage under the sun. So what defenses try to do is stand tall in the red zone, force field goals, or force attempts on fourth downs and, and see if you can't get a stop. Or force turnovers, force sacks, force negative plays, force penalties that puts the team behind the sticks. And now instead of second and six... It's second and 20. Oh, okay, here's an opportunity to get off the field. But you don't create those opportunities if you don't play aggressive. So sick of watching cornerbacks line up 15 yards off of the wide receiver. Why did we draft Jair Alexander in the top 15? Why did we draft Kevin King in the first part of the second round, the first pick of the second round, if we're just going to line him up way back and we're going to play this soft defense? I'm so sick of it. Ugh! Brett and lacrosse. Brett. I need to reset, I need to be less aggressive here. You did not make me mad. The Packers made me mad. Brett, welcome. How are you? Good. How are you? How was your vacay? Oh, it was it was good. It was very restful. It was relaxing. You and do? now I'm uh I went fishing. I was out in Montana Ooh. for about a week. Oh. Went fishing, nice. drank some beers, saw uh, I have a buddy who lives out there, so I went to visit him and crashed on his crashed on his couch oh, like a freeloader. That's <laughs> awesome. We yeah. did the
6: same. We had a vacation by Hayward last week and oh. Did a lot of fishing while well, my, my children did a lot of fishing. I did a lot of re uh, reworming hooks and uh, taking fish off, tiny fish. Oh, where so by, where by Hayward,
0: if you don't mind me asking? I'm curious.
6: Uh, bl- Blueberry Lake, which is technically
0: co- Couture or something. Ah, Le Couture. Le Court-Oriel, as is often mispronounced. Yeah, that one. Sure. Well, cool. I want to get up yeah. to Hayward. I like going up by the Bruel by Lake Superior, and Hayward's a little bit south of there. I don't know if I'm going to have time this fall. I think I might be too busy. So, Well, I'm you just glad had your fishing trip. So yeah, exactly. Now it's
6: back to the real world and having to get your voice back uh, in shape for being on radio and stuff. So,
0: Yeah, that's true. Is Joe Barry, um, did you call in to defend Joe Barry's honor by chance? Are there any diehard Joe Barry stands? Or that's that's not why you've called, I'm assuming?
6: No, no, no. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I was thinking that Rodgers really wanted to bring back uh, Clay Matthews, so that Clay Matthews could
0: be our new defensive coordinator. Oh, now wait a minute. So, uh-huh. well, that's an interesting spin. Wants to bring back Clay Matthews, but not to play linebacker, but to be a uh, – could he be the DC or maybe just an assistant? Just bring him in on staff, have him in house. I didn't thought about yeah. that. That's a nice creative I take. mean,
6: either way, if they all need to know how to rehab a hammy, they got the right guy. <laughs> yeah, that's It'll true. be fine. You just <laughs> take true. three quarters of a season off. Uh, <laughs> you spray the water in your long hair. Yeah. Um, and then you know you get back out there eventually, maybe the next season.
0: Yeah, and then we we ponder moving that player to the inside of the defense for the next three years because he doesn't have enough speed yeah. to get around the edge, yep. and then eventually you cut him loose. Yeah, really <laughs> good that. stuff. Are you are you going out to see Bill tonight? Where is Bill tonight? He's at Cedar
6: Creek for the cigar dinner.
0: For the cigar dinner, I Nobody stopped told out there earlier today,
6: and I dropped off some uh, moonshine for him.
0: Oh, really? Do you make your own moonshine, mm-hmm. Brett? Yeah,
6: I may have. I I may know a guy. I think. Okay. I it. I can't say it's
0: me. Sure. Well, the FBI is always listening in on these calls. All these phones are tapped. Well, especially
6: you. You're such a you know best sports show in Wisconsin. Oh yeah. I don't know why they wouldn't be
0: listening the, to it. The FBI needs their sports talk too. Are you going out to see Bill? I completely. I forgot he was in town. I'm gonna be honest. Cause no,
6: I, no. But I said earlier I was out running around for work, and I decided to run home and grab him some uh, a jar of it and run it out to him. Because I wasn't going to make it tonight, but
0: I, I think Dave cigars. was going tonight. I want some cigars. Is it bad? Okay, this is bad. Is it bad to just admit that I want the cigars and a little food, but I want to take it home with me? I want to eat and smoke them at my house and watch the Brewers. Like, can well, I? Have you're that supposed part of it? to. Yeah, yeah.
6: I don't know if I want to sit not, around. I, I people. hope you don't. I don't. I hope you don't have five of them while you're standing out there. That wouldn't be too healthy.
0: Oh, you get that many? Yeah, you get like a whole case. It's like a tester. Damn. Oh, yeah. maybe I will make it out there then. Good Cedar stuff. Creek. But okay.
6: anyway, uh, so Brewers are going to, uh, to get back to actual, yes. you know, sport talk, uh, Brewers are going to awesome. go ahead and they're going to sweep the Cards.
0: I love that. Love that. Next 13 uh, games against them. They do <laughs> 13 and go against the Cardinals. I, w- I want them to sweep them the next three days because then that like ends their season. I like that. They did that to well, the Cubs last and- week. Let's do it again to the Cardinals this week. Yeah. I like that. Well and then
6: if we could do it if we can do it to the Reds, it's basically game over. If we can yeah. just beat the Reds two of three mm-hmm. even, um, it would be pretty much game over. They wouldn't they don't really have a to come back after that. Yeah. If we're still seven games up. After our series with them, it's over.
0: Yeah. Well, they they only have three games against the Reds. That's bad for the Reds. They don't have opportunities to make up ground. They got a lot of games against bad teams, but now they're relying on the Brewers to lose. And I just, uh, I don't know if I'd hold my breath on that. Brett, I got to take a break. I appreciate hearing from you. And if you ever have any extra moonshine, man, just, you know, let me know. I got you. we almost done. It's in the barrel right now. Ooh, I love that. Do you make apple pie? I love apple pie moonshine.
6: That's what I dropped off at Bills today.
0: Yes. Okay, at some point, we need to get connected, and I want some of that for when cold-weather football season rolls around. I'm hold you to Sounds that. good. I got you. <laughs> Thanks, Brett. Thanks for the call. Yeah. All right, bye. Brett in lacrosse. Take care, Brett. And if you are going to Bill's dinner tonight, uh, enjoy. I I didn't know about it. My dad texted me yesterday. He's like, are you going to Bill's thing in lacrosse? I'm like, wait, Bill's in lacrosse? What the heck? Nobody invites me to anything. I, just, I want the cigars and the food. I want to take it home with me. Can I Can I pick it up to go? I want to go home and watch the brews on my couch. I've been looking forward to it all day. Be social, sit around other people, talk to other people. No, no, I don't know about all that. Cigars, though? Sure. Yeah, I'll I'll put them in a doggy bag. I'll take them to go. If you're going to Bill's dinner tonight, uh, enjoy. It looks like a beautiful night, or at least it was when I last stepped outside, which is like an hour ago. My studio has no windows, so it could be downpouring out. Who knows? Let's keep talking about the Packers' defense, maybe reasons why or why not things will be different this year, and then we're going to do some Jordan Love comparisons coming up at 5.35.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
0: I love when I learn things from listeners. Show makes me so smart. What a community, what a brain trust we have here. Andrew messages in, says, Did you not watch Moonshiners? It's the ATF and not the FBI. Okay, I'm going to explain my ignorance here. I did not know this. I thought the ATF was just a weird Texas thing. I didn't think the ATF was like a large government agency in the entire country, which now I, I see it's a part of the United States Department of Justice. I thought it was some weird backwoods Texas justice thing. Because that, the only reason I knew the ATF is because they like bumbled the Waco situation so bad. With Koresh and that whole, that whole ordeal. I thought it was just a Texas thing. Also, so curious that when this was created, what government official was like, you know what? We have some oversight in our country. We need a new department, and we only need them to oversee alcohol and tobacco and firearms and explosives. Like, those things go together, right? Why not throw fireworks in there? Why not? Like, it's just so weird. And skateboards, too. Anything that's reckless and cool and dangerous. I don't know. The ATF. Thank you. Uh, Not the FBI, but the ATF. Uh, If I'm talking about buying moonshine off of listeners, Andrew also continues, by the way, love stat line and field stat line were nearly identical, except the wideout had 10 yards of fields touchdown yet fields is a hero and love needs to go. I look, well, first of all, I never said that love needs to go. I, I said yesterday, love's debut was fine. It was good. It was, it was boring. It was boring, boring in a good way. I'm not going to remember that game. There was no epic failure. There was nothing that was insane and amazing that's now going to make everyone pay attention and, and raise expectations too high. No, it was, it was fine. It was just fine. I think it was just what it needed to be. I also think that people are just excited about Justin Fields. They're excited about the Bears possibly having a quarterback. So we're going to dwell on that a little bit more. We're going to focus on that. And that's okay. That's okay. Sometimes as sports fans, I think we lose our mind a little bit. We're like, oh, the NBA schedule why is Boston playing on Christmas? They weren't even good last year. The Warriors didn't make the playoffs. The Nuggets should be on national TV. No, I, the Nuggets aren't fun, okay? Why do we why do we have to do this? Why do we have to do this? The Nuggets aren't fun. Jamal Murray's hurt. I don't watch, I don't watch the Nuggets. I'd rather watch the Celtics, and I hate the Celtics. Despise the Celtics. It's like, Fields and Love were the same. Well, yeah, they were, but that's not how life works. Like, Fields is a more entertaining story. Jordan Love's not going to play this year unless Aaron Rodgers gets hurt, which is something we're going to talk about in about... Ten minutes. So stick around. That was a good tease. Uh, that was a good tease. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me redo that. Let me redo that. That was a good tease. Job well done. Thank you, Craig. I think when it stalled that much, I think it loses some of its effect. If it takes you five seconds to get to the sound effect, I don't know if the sound effect has quite the same uh, power. Before we took the break, we are talking a little bit about what might be better with the Packers this year. And I don't know if there's anything overly excited to be uh, excited about with the defense. Like, Joe Barry doesn't get me out of bed in the morning. I-, I don't know. If he's more aggressive, if he lets the players get a little bit more aggressive and try to win games rather than trying to avoid losing games, I'm, I'm about that. As we were talking about personnel, TJ Slayton is big. TJ Slayton's really big, and people are excited about that. Kingsley Kiki looks great. I'm really hesitant to buy into Kingsley Kiki because I feel like we've heard this every year for the last three years. No, this is the offseason where he really got after it, and now he's really going to be a stud. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. And then this pair of linebackers that people are kind of getting excited about. Devondre Campbell is a six-year pro. Guys typically don't pop in their sixth year. People typically don't pop in their fourth year, their third year. Josh Allen is such an outlier in that regard. Now I'm supposed to expect that a linebacker in his sixth year is supposed to be a rock star and transform a defense? I don't know. Oren Burks, much of the same. Oren Burks has been here for four years. Don't tell me, or this is his fourth year. Don't tell me that this is the year Oren Burks figures it out. He's been here four years. He has four career starts. That's it. I don't know. Now if he plays special teams, great. Because they're terrible on special teams, too. So they need help across the board. Wherever Oren Burks can chip in, I'll take Oren Burks. It's fine. I just, I don't know. Scroll through Twitter, and I see Packers bloggers and Packers reporters. Like, wow, Oren Burks really seems to fit well in... In, in Joe Barry's system, and man, what a great situation for him! Well, do you think it's because they're in practice, though? For God's sake, like, do you think it's because they're tackling dummies and donuts? Do is because they're they're not tackling each other, and they're playing against the scout team. You think that has anything to do with it? Sure, the new scheme might be better for Oren Burks, but like the fact that it's 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 practice is probably a pretty big factor too. I would imagine. Don't know that to be the case for sure. I'm far from a football expert, a football coach, but just a guess. I think we all tend to overreact about things in preseason and in training camp, which is why, like, I'm a little jaded towards it all. Like, I don't know that I want to sit down and read about practice too much because I don't think anything really means that much. We get to week one, oh yeah, I'll dig in, I'll take notes on the game, I might watch the game again, I'm going to read, I'm going to listen to every press conference, every player, yes, absolutely. But practice, like, no, the roster's not even out yet. I'm going to be the city who's watching practice, reading practice, like, you know, I really like this this XYZ guy. I think he's going to be a big factor. And then two days later, he's cut. And now I'm feeling blindsided and stupid like Aaron Rodgers with Jake Kummerow, and no one wants that. That's just a big waste of time. So I'll watch the Brewers, I'll celebrate the Bucks championship, and I'll wait for week one. But all these stories I read about Devondre Campbell and Oren Burks and TJ Slate and Kingsley Kiki and Joe Barry, it's like, I'll... Believe it when it happens. I'll get excited when it happens. I can only do so many of these NFC Championship game losses before my hope and my eternal optimism just, it just kind of gets put in the back drawer for a while. Just put it away. I don't know. I'll buy in in week 11 when they're, you know, nine and two or whatever. Sure, maybe then, but not right now. I want to talk about Jordan Love. I went back through the last 10 years and I looked at every quarterback the Packers have employed at one point or another, not named Aaron Rodgers. And I thought, Let's compare them all to Jordan Love. What do we think? Did we get excited for Jordan Love versus this guy, this guy? I hope so. Otherwise, we're in a bad spot. And it's fun to reminisce and look back and just crack jokes about some of these names that, oh, yeah, I remember when he was supposed to be Aaron Rodgers' backup for a year. Yeah, let's do that. Talk more Packers coming up next. Wisco Sports Show.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
0: Sports show. My name is Grant Bills. Thanks for hanging out. We're in the middle of our Packers hour. Last hour was our Brewers hour. So if you missed that, you want to catch up on that, find the podcast, post it right after six o'clock, wherever you find your shows. You can always listen live on any of your individual apps for the affiliates, whether it be Sports Talk 105.1 in Eau Claire, The Zone in Madison, WKTY here in La Crosse. A lot of ways to get in touch with the show. Well, I guess not a lot. There's two great ones. The talk and text line is one 608 796 Then you can tweet at Wisco Grant. Brett and LaCrosse start with Taysom Hill. Yeah, we're going to talk about some former hacker backups. Should we start with Taysom Hill? It's a good one. There's a lot of good ones. I forgot about Taysom Hill. Duncan Holman says, now in the ATF, a desktop is a real thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't think the ATF mess around too much. Granted, my only experience with the ATF is watching Waco, which is I'm pretty sure like I don't know how much of that is accurate. I know the the story, like it's based on a true story. I don't know exactly how accurate that thing was. It's on Netflix. Very, very riveting. Great television. But I don't know if it paints the ATF in in an unfair light. I don't know. If there's any members of the ATF listening. Call in. I'd love to talk to you about your fascinating job in the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. Three of my absolute favorite things. So I feel like we have a lot in common. Please give me a call. Thanks, Duck and Holman. Everyone loves a good desk pop. You ever discharged your weapon in the office? Jimmy, when was your last desk pop? September 08. Yeah. If you've seen the movie that we're referencing, you know what I'm talking about. And if not, you're probably changing the channel. So let's, let's move on. We're just talking a little bit about the Packers defense. I want to talk about Jordan Love because we reacted to his debut yesterday. It's crazy. He's been one of the biggest stories in the NFL now for almost two full years, it feels like, and he's never played, never played a snap, no preseason, never suited up. It's pretty crazy when you think about it. I think I talked about that with Zach Heilpern when we had him on. It's like, this dude has driven talk shows, driven sports TV for a year and a half, and he's never played. That's pretty badass, actually. Like, if I was Jordan Lloyd, I'd feel pretty good about myself. We drew a few conclusions from his start his preseason game on Saturday, right? It was fine. It was boring, right? Completed most of his passes. He had a couple plays he'd like to have back. Nothing terrible, nothing awful. Just pretty, pretty good. It was boring in a good way, right? And all of our complaints about love after Saturday, they're small. I think that's a great sign. They're nitpicks. And if we're nitpicking Jordan Love at this stage in the game, hey, that's a good spot to be in. You want to be nitpicking a guy like Jordan Love. Here's Matt LaFleur talking about Love's performance after the game. I
4: think there was a lot of great things he did. There's a few plays that certainly he'd like to have back, as is most quarterbacks in every game. Uh, The fourth down would be the one I would say would point to that was the most glaring. Just, you know, had a brain fart. And uh, that happens sometimes. So, But I thought, all in all, I thought he did a nice job.
0: Boring. Yeah, fine. Like to have some uh, some back. Good plays, some bad plays. Yeah, typical. Boring in a good way. Jordan Love talking about his first action.
2: I, felt I played good. I think it was a slow start. Uh, the first two drives, not being able to, you know, convert those third downs. But then I think we started getting into a little bit of a groove on offense. And obviously had that next drive, which was good. But um, overall, I think I played good.
0: I played good. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was good. See, you see how middle of the road everyone is about this? That's good. That's good. It's forgettable not that memorable. It's not something we're going to obsess over or make too big of a deal out of. It was perfect, right? And yesterday, I'm pretty sure I made this analogy. It's it's like moving into a house, right? Jordan Love is on his journey to becoming an NFL quarterback, a long and arduous journey. Same with moving from one house to another, unless you hire a bunch of movers and you do it that way, then it's a little easier. But if you you have to do it yourself, feels like it's never going to end. Absolutely miserable experience. And when you're moving, right, you got to move the heavy things: the furniture, the couches, the bed frame, the the wardrobe, the or whatever, the wardrobe, the big wood thing that you have in your bedroom for no reason. It adds some class or whatever. I don't know. Big mirror, maybe kitchen table, patio furniture. Move all these big things, and then you get to the point in the move where you're now nitpicking. It's like, okay, where do we want to hang up this picture? Where do we want to put this lamp? Where do we want to hang this picture? of future, the greatest rapper ever. I don't know, whatever you hang up in your house, right? You're you're getting the little things, you're nitpicking. That means you're almost done. That means you're making progress. And with Jordan Love, I feel like we're nitpicking. We're, We're talking about the little things, little tweaks here and there, and that's good because that means the heavy lifting hopefully has been done. The couch has been carried in and the bed frame has been disassembled, carried up the steps and assembled once again, right? We're nitpicking. We're, we're adjusting the decorations and the house plans. That's good. We're in a good spot with Jordan Love. Now, in the scope of this season, 2021, Jordan Love is a backup, right? And we need to view him through that lens. Otherwise, we're like, all oh, of this is a huge waste of time because we're going to get to week one. It doesn't matter how good Jordan Love is because Rogers is going to play. Unless, of course, we're considering the possibility that maybe Aaron Rodgers gets hurt or misses time. God forbid. And Jordan Love has to step in, hold down the fort for a little while. If Rogers were to go down, I'll ask you on August 17th if. 5, 41 p.m., 42 p.m. It just switched. How would you feel? Or if Rogers would have retired. And then we just watched Jordan Love on Saturday. How would you feel going into the season? By the way, 0% chance he was retiring. Like, I don't care what he claimed. I don't, a lot of reporters were taking a victory lap this week. They're like, see, it wasn't just for clicks. He was mad all along. See what he said to Peter King. Yeah, he was mad all along. That much was obvious. I was never denying that. But he was going to retire and go travel through the south of France. No, that, that ain't, no. Nope not believing it. I know that's what he said. I know that's what's reported. I am choosing not to believe it. That is my opinion. Could be wrong, but I don't think I am. I wasn't going to retire. But if Aaron Rodgers was to retire or to get hurt, how would we feel about Jordan Love just hopping in and taking over control of the team? He's the guy now. How do we feel? And I thought in order to get some perspective, we'd pull up all of the Packers' greats, quarterbacks of years past to back up Aaron Rodgers or maybe to be the heir apparent. I think at one point, what are they going to do with Brad Hunley? Are they going to develop him, then trade him? Well, what's going on there? All of these backup quarterbacks have kind of fit differently and done different things. If we go back to 2019, we had Aaron Rodgers and Tim Boyle. How do we feel about Tim Boyle? I actually hated him being the only backup quarterback in 2019. So I much prefer the Packers situation. Now, 2018, the Packers had Deshaun Kaiser. I wonder through the whole Deshaun Kaiser incident, if Aaron Rodgers is like, this is such a waste of time. Why are we worrying about this? Why are we messing around with this guy? He sucks, and even if he's good, he's not going to play because I'm better. You're not wrong. Man, all these guys went on IL. I'm looking at the IL for the 2018 final roster. Jeronimo Allison, Ibrahim Campbell, Kenny Clark, Mike Daniels, Trevor Davis. Wow, superstar receiver Trevor Davis. Devon House, Raven Green, Aaron Jones, Kevin King, Cole Madison. He just didn't show up. Nick Perry, Will Redmond, Jake Ryan, Muhammad Wilkerson, all on IR. Damn, the a brutal year. Deshaun Kaiser I he, was, he was terrible. He wasn't good at all. And I bet Aaron Rodgers was ticked that whole time. Like, God, we're really paying attention to this guy? Why are we doing this? Why did you trade for him? So I'd like the 2021 Packers situation better than 2018. 2017, Joe Callahan and Brett Hundley. Now, that was a year. I had a, I had a, I had a good time that year. Because I'm pretty sure this was the year, 2017-2018. And I'm going to check here just to make sure. Oh, yep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is what it says on the Wikipedia. The Packers started out strong, compiling a 4-1 start. But during a week-six game against the division rival Minnesota Vikings, Packers lost starting quarterback Aaron Rodgers to a collarbone injury and completely collapsed, going on to lose eight of the 11 remaining games, a blowout 11-35 loss to the Lions in week 17, secured the Packers' first losing season since 2018. Or t- 2008. So this was the season, 2017-2018. This was the season where Mike McCarthy gave the infamous speech when asked about potentially bringing in Colin Kaepernick. He said, look, I've got a couple years invested in Brett Hundley, a few years invested in Joe Callahan. This quarterback room is exactly where I want it. Okay. And I'm not, I'm not saying that Colin Kaepernick would have been better, but a hilarious vote of confidence in two players that absolutely deserved no such thing at all. Like, imagine going to the podium and saying, hey, i got a couple years invested in Brett Hundley. Two years invested in Joe Callahan. These are my guys. We're exactly where we want to be. We're ready for this. And then you lose eight of the 11 remaining games. Brutal. Brett Hundley sucked. Joe Callahan, I don't I don't know. They never gave him not even second string reps. Maybe he could have been a half-decent, interesting backup. I don't know. I don't mean to be too mean to Joe Callahan. 2016, much of the same. They had Joe Callahan and Brett Hundley. Of course, Aaron Rodgers finished active that year. He didn't finish on IL. That was the year that they went to the NFC Championship game and got smoked. Which NFC Championship? The Atlanta NFC Championship game. That one. 2015, Brett Hundley's rookie year. God, I remember it like it was yesterday. It wasn't that electric. And Scott Tolzien, also electric. God, he was great. Remember when he said, cold is a state of mind. It doesn't bother me. I think it did bother him because he was was terrible. This was the year... This is the double Hail Marys against the Cardinals. Yep, and then... In overtime, you never saw the ball because God hates Aaron Rodgers in the postseason for some reason. 2014 was the last time I was actually confident in the Packers backups. Matt Flynn, Scott Tolzien. I wasn't, I wasn't confident in Scott Tolzien. That's not where the confidence came from. I just, I was something about Matt Flynn. That dude could sling it. Only in a Packers jersey and only in a backup role. But man, he could, ha, he could sling it. 2014, Matt Flynn was probably the last time I felt as confident as I do now about the Packers Backup quarterback position. 2013, Matt Flynn and Scott Tolzien. 2012, ooh, Graham Harrell. Oh, that's fun. God, Graham Harrell sucked, too. All these guys were so bad. I wonder if Rodgers, at the end of this decade, is a little jaded looking back. It's like, if you would have put half the effort into getting a, a half-decent pair of cornerbacks, as you did to figure out your backup quarterback, you're tweaking with Joe Callahan and Graham Harrell. Brett Hundley, Deshaun Kaiser. Why don't you just keep Matt Flynn around for God's sake? Focus on some other things. Maybe you could have won some more games. Maybe the defenses would have been better. I don't know. I'd love to ask Rodgers about that. You probably wouldn't get it on the record. But I bet off the record, he'd be like, yeah, I never got why we were so obsessed with Deshaun Kaiser. He He's never going to play anyways. And when he did play, he was garbage. So what was it all about? What is this been for? Man, 608 Herman says, hey, G, congrats. Who's your replacement? Oh, it's two more hours of Jim Gnome. I'm going to stab a pencil in my ear. What did, am I, did Jim Rome replace me somewhere? Did I get a new job? Am I going to work in the ATF? C- congrats on, who's your replacement? What are you talking about, Herman? You hitting the sauce? You hitting Brett's moonshine already? It's only 545, man. Get it together. Calm down. Take it easy. Thanks for the, t- the text, Herman. 608-796-2558. Twitter, at Grant." Let's take a break, get another green and gold update from Mike Clemens, and then let's wrap up with the Brewers. Let's preview this Cardinals series just a little bit and hammer home some points that were first brought to our attention by our good, good buddy, David Gasper, back at 4.30. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show after this.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, a training camp update. In Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens.
3: The Packers and all NFL teams have to reduce their rosters to 85 players today. Green Bay released former Badgers offensive lineman John Dietzen yesterday. Matt Lafleur not happy with the blocking against the Texans Saturday night.
4: You know, we, I don't think we did a very good job up front just taking the techniques that we drill and the fundamentals we drill and applying them to the game, even with some of our veteran players in there.
3: John Runyon moved from guard to center against Houston you know we got a lot of new faces up front a lot of younger guys you know trying to you know trying to build these connections and just the chemistry and you know getting everybody's fits right and being more comfortable to everybody you know we got a lot of guys rotating around in and out everywhere jordan loved missed practice yesterday with a sore shoulder that means more snaps and time with the media with quarterback kirk benkert
2: part of who i am is like showing people what i'm all about and i don't know i don't want to be like the boring guy in the room that's just not who i am and I think here, like, they value, like, having fun while they're kicking butt and winning games. So, it's been pretty cool to see, like, the dynamic of how different things can work across the league. And here, like, they definitely have fun while winning games. And it's not like, I mean, everyone enjoys being here. It's a fun place to be, and people enjoy their jobs. So, it's pretty, it's fun to be a part of.
3: Ben Kurt has showed a strong arm. Offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett.
4: He was slinging it, wasn't he? He he did some good stuff. Um, You know, I I think with Kurt, he's just got to get more comfortable in the pocket. Um, and continue to deliver the ball the way he was because there were some
2: really good uh, good things that he did. Best
1: Packers coverage.
0: Mike Clements live in Green Bay, Packers insider for the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Thank you, Mike. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Phillips. We'll speak with Mike live on Thursday. Another preseason game coming up this Saturday. It's an afternoon game against the Jets. So we don't have to wait. It'll be nice because we can get that game out of the way with and then we can actually enjoy the rest of our night because <laughs> I hate preseason. I have to watch. It's my job or whatever. We'll get that game out of the way with in the afternoon. And then the Brewers game is a three o'clock game. I'm going to be at that game. Should I act like a big time reporter and post pictures? And try. I don't think I can get a media credential. I think they're still pretty stringent with who they give it out to. Maybe I'll ask our buddy Zach Heilprin. Maybe I'll see Zach at the game if he's not in Green Bay. So many professional possibilities for me on Saturday. I'll probably drink too much before I go in. I don't think that's going to work. <laughs> probably not. Oh, what should we wrap up with? The Brewers. That's right. That's what we're going to talk about. They started three games set with the Cardinals tonight. Cardinals are 10 games back. It's well within the Brewers' reach to win two or three of these games and basically bury the Cardinals. The Cardinals right now are at one of the lower percentages in the National League to make the playoffs. They're at 6.2%. The only teams that are below them, odds-wise, are the Diamondbacks, Rockies, Nationals, Marlins, Cubs, Pirates. Not exactly a great company to be in. Right? If those are the only teams whose playoff odds are worse than your own, not great. They're behind the Mets, 12.5%. The Phillies, 40%. Reds, 40%. Padres, 40%. Braves, 50%. And then the Dodgers, Giants, Brewers are all either 99% or 98%. All but certain to make the postseason one way or another. The Brewers could essentially take the Cardinals out tonight. We talked to David Gasper reviewing the Brew back at 4.30. If the Brewers win a bunch of these games, they could eventually, and essentially, I guess both, kind of end up eliminating the Cardinals. The Cardinals are 8-2 in their last 10. Their odds have gone from 1% to 6.3, so they're trending in the right direction. I mean, it's just tough. You're probably It's going to be really tough to get a wild card with the way that the Padres and the Dodgers and the Giants are all playing, because they're going to eat up a lot of those spots. They could, they could eat up both wild cards in the West and then the division. So, like the NL Central got three teams in last year, The NL West could end up getting three teams in this year. The Brewers are playing well, too, and I think this is being overlooked. Like, the Reds have this amazing, easy schedule down the stretch. 19 games against the Pirates, Cubs, and the Nationals. The Brewers don't have a world-beater of a schedule, either. They have the 12th-easiest schedule remaining in baseball. The Reds have the easiest schedule, but what's the difference between 12th-easiest and easiest, especially when one team has a a seven-and-a-half-game lead in the division? I, I, I don't know. I do not know couple of things that the Brewers have working for them starting tonight. Corbin Burns starts tonight, then Peralta, then Woodruff. They have all three of their aces lined up and ready to go. Their bullpen is also rested. Hayter's only pitched, I think, 10 times since the beginning of July. He's barely done anything. Part of that is he went on the COVID list, but also they just haven't needed him a whole lot. Won by big margins, or they've lost by big margins. There hasn't been a lot of in-between. The Cardinals also haven't played the Brewers since May, so they haven't seen Willie Adamas. They haven't seen... a Eduardo Escobar, Rowdy Telez. Last time the Brewers and the Cardinals played, it was Keston Hira and Travis Shaw, both hitting like garbage from the corner infield spots. A little bit different. They could do it. They could essentially end the Cardinals' season starting tonight. I hope that they do. It's a great opportunity, and they're not a team that you, uh, not a team that you want to stick around. Like you don't want you don't want this team staying around because that's what happened in 2011. it happened in 1982 too. It didn't exactly work out great either time. If you have any final thoughts on the Brewers, I'll share the lineup with you here in a second. You can text me, 608-796-2558, the talk and text line. Twitter, at Wisco Grant, as well, if you'd like to tweet in there. The Brewers lineup today, let me get it. I looked at it earlier. Colton Wong, Willie Adamas, Christian Yelich, Eduardo Escobar at third, Narvaez catching, Garcia in right, Telez at first, Kane in center, Burns pitching. Other than maybe Luis Urias, like him on there, this is their this is their A-team. This is their crack squad. I truthfully think the Brewers are out for blood. I think Craig Council is not messing around. I think the Brewers are messing around. I think they're going for this. 100%. I think they want to not only, coming off this bye week or this bye game, yesterday, bye day, they want to go pedal to the metal because they know the, the Reds are probably going to have a pretty good stretch here against a lot of these bad teams, but also an opportunity to put the Cardinals away at Bush Stadium and really kind of commandingly go into this next portion, this final portion of the schedule. I think that's something that the Brewers are really interested in. I think they're all about that. And that starts tonight with Corbin Burns. How about another 15 strikeout game? I'd take that. Anybody decline that? Anybody say no? No? Good. We're all on the same page. Tomorrow's show. What should we talk about tomorrow? I don't have any guests lined up. I put some feelers out. Maybe we should talk with Zach, who's at training camp. We talked to him, I think, two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago, three weeks ago be high time to get Zach back on, and we could talk about the Badgers being ranked 12th in the AP. I don't really have an opinion on that, but I'm sure Zach does, and what he's heard from Paul Crist and Badgers camp and college football is going to get going again, so we can talk to him about both of our football teams, the Packers and the Badgers. We're also probably going to get more details on the NBA schedules that's released. It's nuts the way the NBA calendars worked the last two years. There's no off-season, no off-time. It's going to be nice to get back on a normal schedule starting after this season. So after next June, yeah, I know that's right around the corner, but don't worry, we'll be back on a, on a normal schedule soon enough. Tonight, enjoy the Brewer game. We'll talk about that tomorrow. Maybe we'll try to put a feeler out to talk to Zach about some things going around training camp, both for the Badgers and the Packers. Enjoy the game tonight. Talk about it tomorrow. Same time, same place here on the Wisco Sports Show. Talk to you then. <laughs>